With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 11 of the Canes Country Podcast. It's It's been a, a couple weeks. Uh, last week, some things came up and we couldn't record, so we apologize for that, but we're back. And uh, we have some fun stuff to talk about now that we're about a week into the season. My name is Brett Finger, and I'm joined by Justin Lape and Kyle Morton, per usual. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, it's nice to have some actual games to talk about. A uh, lot happened in the first two contests. Uh, obviously, one had a little more action than the other, but I'm excited to talk about it. Hey, guys. I'm happy to be back. We got the checkers coming up this weekend. Should be fun. Absolutely. And, you know, we kind of alluded to the first couple of games of the season and uh, 1-0-1 over the first two for Carolina. They've played a criminally low amount of games so far as compared to the other league or other teams in the league, I should say. Um, but, you know, a lot of positives and negatives to take from the first couple of matchups. Kyle, what did you take from them? Uh, well, I was fortunate enough to get to go back home uh, to be in Raleigh, to be at opening night. Uh, and I got to say, that was that was the, the most fun I've had at a Canes game in a very long time in terms of the atmosphere and the crowd. It was very well done on all fronts. Um, and then the game itself was great. Um, I mean, a lot of things stood out to me that we can get into more specifically later, but uh, it was good to see a win. And um, a lot of guys stood out in a good way. A uh, couple guys aren't quite going yet, but when they get going, the team's going to be even better. Yeah, I think for me, um, it's it's great to have hockey season back first and foremost. I was at a friend's place and I b- brought along my Roku so that I could watch the game. Um, but that game was the first game was phenomenal. Um, you know, it was it was very interesting to see players like Hannafin and Aho contribute. Um, but it just it looked like the atmosphere was outstanding. And, you know, I'm actually sad I missed it. This is one of the first times I'm missing a home opener in a long time. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a fun game. Yeah, and to see them, see them do well against a couple of really solid teams, especially, you know, Minnesota finishing second in the West last year and Columbus had that big year. That's, you know, really impressive to start of the year. But we're going to get into that a lot more as we go. But, Justin, I believe you have a checkers update from Media Day. Yeah, so the Checkers recently held a media day, which was basically, it was pretty awesome. We got to try a bunch of the new food items there. I saw that. Um, yeah, it was outstanding. I mean, <laughs> great food. Honestly, they had poutine, which is you know something that's kind of hard to come by in the South. Um, but frankly, and then I, you know, it was some business too. I got to talk to head coach Mike Vellucci, and he said, you know, one of the main things that they're looking at in heading into this season is to fix the power play, which was atrocious. Uh, it was dead last, and he said it was terrible. Um, there's things that they have to fix. Now, you know, there's new personnel, obviously, with some of the younger guys that are making the jump, uh, you know, from a junior league team to the AHL. Um, so it'll be interesting on that end. Um, I was told by members of the Checkers that says that uh, 
goalies, Jeremy Smith and Alex Nadelkovich will be splitting games through most likely the first two months maybe of the season. Uh, there's not that many games on the schedule. Um, but I've been told that the number one spot is up for grabs. Uh, we'll have to see moving forward. I think Jeremy Smith had the better of the weekend. Uh, the Checkers went 2-0 and over their first weekend with wins over the Hartford Wolfpack and the um, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, with the main player that's kind of jumping out on everybody's mind is Warren Fogle. He had four goals over the weekend, um, including the game winner in the Wolfpack game. And, uh, yeah, everything's rolling, and they start their home schedule uh, this coming weekend with uh, a two-game series against the Bridgeport Sound Tigers on Friday and Saturday. Yeah, and Fogel's been, you know, he's the guy that sat to me at the prospect tournament, and, you know, he made it pretty far in, in training camp and through cuts and whatnot, and to see him, I mean, four goals in two games, two of them shorthanded, I mean... Of course, Justin, you've had a better look at Fogel than any of us have, but it sounds like he's had a phenomenal start to his rookie year in the AHL. Oh, yeah, and he, he's flying in practice too, but I think you have the usual uh, suspects in Charlotte that are also doing well. You, Lucas Walmark um, is another name that stands out. He has three points through the first two games. Um, I think him and uh, Phil DiGiuseppe, who also had a pretty good weekend, um, are probably the names that would jump out if – you know, a player like Yanni Kukunen heads back to Charlotte. Maybe one of those guys gets called up, maybe for an injury. Hopefully not, obviously. But um, I think I would lean towards them, keeping p- players like Fogel, like Gautier, uh in the AHL for now. And bringing things back to the NHL level, ob- obviously we alluded to earlier that the Canes have played two games, as you all know, uh, winning the first one against the Minnesota Wild on opening night by a score of 5-4 to four in the shootout and falling to the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1 to one in overtime last night. Uh, guys, what stood out to you from the Wild game? Uh, well, for me, it was, it was kind of a tale of each period, I guess. Uh, in the first period, the big storyline, to me at least, was, was Bill Peters opting to go with Noah Hannafin next to Pesci and Falk next to Slavin, and we kind of saw that go horribly, horribly wrong for the team as, for whatever reason, Hannafin and Pesci, it just doesn't look like they're working out, at least right now. And then they made the switch after the first period, and, you know, Pesci was responsible for, you know, a backdoor tap in on the first goal where he lost track of his man on the penalty kill coming out of a board play. Um, And then Hannafin... Uh, got burned a couple times, but the worst of which was uh, was Stewart getting a jump on him and him, you know, bl- blowing a tire, so to speak. And uh, he had a pretty easy partial breakaway goal on Darling. But in the second period, Bill Peters didn't waste much time. He went back to the pairings that worked at the tail end of last year with Hannafin with Falk and, of course, Slavin and Pesci. And you kind of saw things start to regulate a little bit. And then... You know, in the third period, it was all about Sebastian Ajo, who had a game-breaking period. He he controlled play. He, you know, we we know all about his his skill and his upside. And to see him take control of that game and make a p- pair of just incredible plays uh, to set up his teammates, it was it was really promising to see. It looked like he had the puck on a string, and you know, his assist to Hannafin was 
was gorgeous in his spin move through the middle of the Minnesota zone to Victor Rast to give them a 4-3 lead at that time was uh, was really uh, impressive. And to see him, you know, hopefully continue making that jump to a premier player in the league, which I think we all think that he can do, um, that was a really promising start for him. Well, I think the thing that stood out the most to me was the resiliency of the team. Uh, I know that Darling made these comments after the Columbus game, but he says, we're not quitters. And I think they kind of proved that in the first game, especially uh, after Stahl scored the the breakaway goal to put them up 3-1. to one. You, you know, last year's team may have hung their head a little bit more, uh, but that wasn't, you know, the case in game one for sure. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, again, him in a playmaking role, it fits him so well. I mean, he his speed, his way to just find open teammates, it, it was beautiful. I mean, he set up that Hannafit goal, um, and I think, you know, he, he, was, he was fantastic. He was definitely a player that stood out to me. Um, now, despite Darling giving up four goals, he made a lot of good decisions in that game, um, especially some, you know, it was tough because a lot of them were breakout goals, and breakaway goals, which that's just things you're going to fill in. You're going to fix over the course of 82 games. Um, but I think I think that it wasn't a disappointment for sure. Um, the thing for me is, you know, obviously winning in a shootout. You know, I, that that is something that stands out. You, you know, we were a team that split a lot of overtime games um, last year. You know, getting a lot of overtime points, but most of them resulting in loss. If you if you fix some of those mistakes and get the points from last year that you know you took on in a loss you know maybe we would have been a different team but i th- i think that it's important to uh focus definitely in the extra frames on just pushing through and getting those extra points um but obviously for me noah hannafin's goal that was that was great stuff um but yeah slavin's shootout winner really sealed the deal for me yeah, Aho obviously was fantastic. And I think something that's kind of going to be a storyline as this year goes on is the chemistry that he has or will develop uh, with Elias Lindholm. Uh, both of those third period goals, the Hannafin goal and the Rascal, uh, were the result of plays where Lindholm won a battle or brought the puck in, found Aho, and then Aho worked his magic and found a wide open guy for a one timer. Uh, and, you know, having two guys like that on the ice with that level of playmaking ability at the same time isn't something that a lot of a lot of teams can do. Uh, you know, you have Backstrom and Washington and Kuznetsov, but they're always on separate lines. Uh, it's it's rare that you see that kind of winger combo. Uh, and I think finding them the, the right fit at center, whether that's Victor Rask and his slightly better finishing ability or Jordan Stahl and his elite play driving ability is going to be a big storyline throughout the year in terms of maximizing the effectiveness that their playmaking can have. Yeah, and to really to see that resiliency from from that team is really impressive, and and that might be a sign of the the veteran faces and the experience coming into that locker room, and and even these young guys being just a year older. I don't think they ever once thought that you know this game was over. They they always thought that they were going to come back and win that game, and I think that's really important. I think that even you know after after that really impressive win against Minnesota for a lot of ways. That resiliency kind of showed up again against Columbus and against a world-class goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky, who won a Vesna trophy last year, and he's, he wasn't letting up. He had a shutout in his first game, and he almost shut out Carolina in, in his second start of the year before Skinner made a, a, an incredibly uh, athletic and iconic 
I guess, uh, play to jump and stop a clearing attempt. And he came in and beat the goalie, Bobrovsky. And that was that was huge. That was that was big for me, not only because they came back and they and they, you know, forced overtime in that. But Skinner, for the first better part of two games, was kind of a trouble spot. You know, he was struggling to to generate much offense, uh, at least by himself. He took on a lot of one-on-one plays, and none of them really panned out how he wanted them to. Of course, it's two games in, and, you know, there's undoubtedly a lot of pressure on him to to contribute in a big way for this team. You know, the first two games didn't go as planned, probably, for him, but to see him still, when it matters most, he has a knack for finding himself in the right place at the right time and making that big play, and I think that was huge for the team and for him. Uh, and I think Darling may have looked a little jumpy and maybe a little bit nervous on opening night, um, but in the second game, he looked calm. He was, again, making great plays with the puck, uh, like Justin alluded to in the first game. Uh, you know, just the way he plays the puck and the confidence he has in his ability to to find a clear outlet for it. Uh, he's very decisive. He doesn't, you know, change his mind. He has an idea and he goes out and does it. And that's huge. You know, Cam Cam Ward has had an issue with poor puck play to say the to be generous over the past few years. And to see Darling do that, uh, it's really impressive. He made massive stops and he was able to stop play when the team needed it. Well, I, I think there's a lot of narratives and interesting things that came out of game two. I think game one, you had, you know, the excitement, the win, um, and, you know, more importantly, um, you know, the, the house was rocking. And there's a lot of different things that came out of game two. Uh, first of all, it was a Tuesday night, and I think it's, it's kind of the elephant in the room, but the attendance wasn't the greatest. Um, now, and then also coupled with the loss, it kind of made uh, Twitter kind of an unenjoyable thing to, to look at today, um, for sure. But as for the team, um, I think they played well enough to win. Um, I think that ultimately, though, it was... And I hate to be a homer like this. I think that some of the calls on the ice were a little bit weird. Uh, well, early in the third period, there was a questionable call. Um, we had about a minute 57 on a power play, and a Columbus defender flips it out of the zone. It wasn't touched. I know it's something that's kind of hard to call uh, mid, you know, in the heat of the action, more or less. And I'm not saying I would be a perfect uh, ref either, but I think that was also a turning point. You could have had a five-on-three uh you know, for a minute 57, that could be a turning point in the game. Um, but I think Darling was outstanding. I think you couldn't ask for more um, out of him. You know, it was great for Jeff Skinner to break through like that and get his first goal this season. Uh, obviously, he's going to be leaned on heavily moving forward. Um, but I would definitely take three out of a possible four points um, out of the first two games. I, I, I'll take that, um, even if it is an overtime loss. Uh, I think that another thing is, on that three-on-one, a lot of people complained it didn't finish. Uh, but as Michael S- Smith, uh, a Kane's employee, pointed out, Teravina was slew-footed on that play. Uh, and that took him out of the play. And then, you know, you have an Ajo that's already out of position trying to bust his tail back to get a very fast Sonny Milano. Um, you know, again, you leave your goaltender high out, you know, high and out to dry, uh, more or less. Um, and, you know, Sonny Milano's going to finish on that. Um but I, I'll definitely take three out of four points, and you know, hopefully they have a little bit of momentum here uh, that can translate to this road trip. 
Well, yeah, what stood out to me from, from last night's game, uh, I mean, I guess two nights ago when you're hearing this, but uh, it was Darling's performance in the sense that that wasn't really a performance that the Hurricanes have gotten very often at all, at all, uh, out of their goaltenders in recent years. Uh, you know, when you're faced with a Sergei Bobrovsky, <laughs> side note, the Canes don't normally face goalies like Sergei Bobrovsky. They've been getting a lot of backups over the last few years. But when you're faced with a guy like Sergei Bobrovsky and he's on top of his game like he was last night, you need your goaltender to make some big saves, to come up big, to keep you in the game and give you a chance to win. Uh, and I just couldn't get the thought out of my head last night that that would have been a 2 or 3 nothing game uh, if, if Cam Ward or Eddie Lack was in the net that night. Uh, Darling was keeping them in it. There were some some pretty pretty strong saves, nothing out of this world, but uh, you know what comes to mind was the one uh, off the rush that deflected off fall stick and then found the knob of drawing stick. He did react to that. That wasn't all blind luck. He, uh, you could see him adjust his blocker hand uh, to get that with his stick, and that's just it, we haven't seen this in a goalie for Carolina. It's just it's new uh, since Cam Ward was back in his prime, probably five or six years ago now, uh, and it's good to see. Um, obviously, they didn't get the win in the end, but you rarely do uh, against a guy like Bobrovsky. And the Hurricanes weren't the only team to uh, play some hockey games over the past week and a half, I guess it is now. Um, they, actually, the Hurricanes have only played two, and a lot of teams have played four or five. But that's besides the point. A lot of interesting storylines here through the first few games of the season. Justin, what stood out to you? Uh, for me, definitely Alex Ovechkin. Now, this is a, a, a player that I have truly come to love. I know he's part of our division. You know, uh, the Caps obviously a big rival, but it's hard not to like the game of Alex Ovechkin. But it was one of the things I got very passionate about talking to you guys about uh, was that NHL Network ranked him as the 18th best player um, in the league into the season. And that was a big atrocity, and he proved it. Um, right. He started opening night with a hat trick and then followed that up with a four game or a four goal performance. Rather, uh, tonight you may be hearing this tomorrow, obviously, but he has a matchup with the Pittsburgh Penguins for Wednesday night rivalry. Um, I think that he could easily score another goal or two tonight. Uh, he always seems to play big against the, the Penguins. So um, for me, it's definitely watching out for a, a red hot Alex Ovechkin. I guess I guess the thing I've been keying on as I'm watching games has been the offense that the Toronto Maple Leafs are putting forward. Uh, in my analytics column today, I kind of touched on where the Kings ranked and expected goals for and against per 60 minutes. Uh, and the Leafs are, are breaking hockey right now. Uh, there's no other way to put it. They are averaging over four expected goals per 60 minutes at five-on-five five play. Uh, and that that's insane. Uh, I think the next closest team is about 3.3 right now. Um so that's that's just unbelievable. Like that's that's they're basically lapping the league uh, in terms of how much how many goals you would be expect them to score based on their shot quantity and quality. Uh, and you look at the lineup; it's, it's no surprise. Uh, Austin Matthews picking up right where he left off. Uh, William Nylander looks even better than he did last year. Patrick Marlowe has come in, provided some offense. Nazem Kadri, Connor Brown, James Van Riemsdyk, Tyler Bozak. You go up and down that lineup, and there's there's guys who can score all over. I didn't even mention Mitch Marner, um, Josh Levo. Uh, they, they, they can get it done, uh, and they're, they're going to be a nightmare in the playoffs for whoever they have to have to play and has to match up against them defensively. Well, those you know those situations have definitely been interesting, but 
maybe my favorite, um, kind of keying back to our predictions podcast on the Pacific Division a couple of weeks ago, the Vegas Golden Knights are 3-0, guys. Uh, three games in, they have yet to be defeated. Uh, they came back and defeated the Dallas Stars. Then they beat the Coyotes last night when we were recording this uh, in their home opener. And they came out and scored four goals in the opening half of the first period. And I thought that was fairly impressive. And, you know, just to on a more serious note, to to see that this team is rallying around the situation that happened in Vegas um, now a couple weeks ago and to see them playing for the fans and, you know, and playing for the city and trying to give them something to be happy about. And, you know, it's it's really it's really cool to see this. The, you know, James Neal has been fantastic. He's been their leading goal scorer and he, uh, you know, he's definitely been the catalyst for that offense. And going from here, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because Marc-Andre Fleury is playing some of the best hockey of his career through three games. It's just three games, keep in mind. But, you know, he's playing out of his mind and he's keeping Vegas in games and winning games. You know, there's a lot of, you know, hardworking players on this team. And while the success that they're experiencing right now is very unlikely to continue into the second half of the season and beyond, it's impressive. And it definitely doesn't look like they're going to finish last in the NHL, but I guess we'll see. I think we have some time for that to sort itself out. But in all seriousness, it is very inspiring and touching to see. Uh, the way they honored the victims and the first responders last night, I thought that was great. Um, and, you know, you can't help but root for them uh, on some level after all of that. And, you know, obviously, aren't something that's going to make everything okay. Uh, but it's uh, a good thing that they have that around, the Golden Knights around, to maybe take people's minds off of what's going on at times. So, obviously, you both have been watching a lot of the games. Um Taking a look at some of the people around the division. Uh, as always, it's going to be a tough division, but what are maybe some of your projected standings? And do you think, where do you think the Canes will finish? Um, we weren't able to get to these projections last week. So, uh, what are some of your thoughts, guys? Uh, I've got the Canes third in the division this year. Um, I think Columbus is going to come in at second. Uh, and I think first and fourth is going to be Washington and Pittsburgh. Uh, I would lean toward having Pittsburgh in first and Washington in fourth, but those teams just lost a ton of depth over the offseason. Uh, and they obviously both of them have the high-end talent to counteract that and lead them to another division title. But I just don't see both of them uh, maintaining the level of play that we're used to. Uh, obviously, you know, Ovechkin, Backstrom, Crosby, and Malkin, uh, obviously very much still among the league's elite, but they're getting up there in age, and they're not going to be fantastic forever. Uh you know, Taves and Kane have had down years for the Blackhawks last year. At some point, that's going to ha- come for Washington and Pittsburgh. This year, I think it's going to come for Washington, despite Ovechkin's hot start. Uh, I think the Pens will win the division. Columbus second, Carolina third, Washington fourth, and in the playoffs. And then I'll take the Islanders for the second wild card spot in fifth. Uh, and then the Flyers, the Rangers, and Devils rounding out the bottom. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with all that. Uh, I have a little bit different... Um... I have a little bit different look at the top of the division. I think Columbus is going to win the division still. I predicted that um, for our Canes Country season preview piece. Um, and I still think that, you know, I'm going to stick with it. Columbus number one. I think Pittsburgh will come in behind them at two. 
Um, I think it's going to be kind of a, a race for number three, but I'm going to give it to the Capitals. Um, and then I think Carolina is going to get the first wild card spot in the, in the East and the fourth spot in the Metropolitan Division. Then the second wild card spot's a, a lot more difficult. I think the Rangers are going to be in there. Um, they've had a poor start, but we'll see how they go from here. Um, Philadelphia has honestly looked pretty good despite absolutely blowing a game against the Nashville Predators. I think that goaltending is still going to be an issue for Philly with Brian Elliott. The Islanders could surprise. Uh, the Devils have actually played you know, better than I expected them to play early on. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a fight for the number five spot in the division. But I'm going to go with the New York Rangers for now, and they'll get the final playoff spot in the East. Yeah, for me, I'm going with the uh, traditional number one. I, I chose the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they didn't, you know, have the best first three games, but I, I mean, it's kind of hard to to root against the team with Sidney Crosby. I mean, I think that they will easily get the number one spot. Uh, as for number two, I have the Capitals. I still think their firepower is still clicking. Um, I, it's hard to, again, hard to doubt a top player like Alex Ovechkin. Braden Holtby uh, is always a, you know, a reliable goaltender for sure. Um, number three, I have Columbus. Um, I, I just, I really like what they got. Honestly, I think Bobrovsky um, may be a Vesna candidate this year. I don't think that's outrageous to say if we go back and listen to it in April. Um, I, I just think that he will help uh, secure that number three spot for them. Now, I have the Islanders as the fourth team. Um, again, their roster is very well balanced. Uh, the addition of Jordan Eberle, uh, is, you know, is a welcome addition. Um, but I have the Canes at number five, and I think that the Islanders and the Canes will get the two wild card spots. Um, in the Atlantic Division, I just don't think that there's enough to have e- any of them come out as a wild card competitor. Um, I think with Tampa, Montreal, and Toronto, uh, you can you know mix them around. I think they'll be the three coming out of the Atlantic. Um, and then I have the Rangers at six. Um, could be worse, honestly. Could be worse. Uh, I got Philly at seven. Uh, they've already given up, you know, <laughs> the most goals in the league right now, or tied for most goals in the league. Uh, and I think that will be a continuing trend where they're just going to have to outscore their opponents. And I have the Devils last. Uh, they're obviously a, a rebuilding team. There's some nice pieces there, but I just don't think they have enough to compete with some of the the big dogs of the division, more or less. Yeah, so you guys can tell me how wrong my predictions will be in April. Uh, but just as long as the Canes are part of that playoff squad, I'll be a happy man. But that is all we have for you uh, this week, episode 11 of the Canes Country Podcast. Once again, we are sorry that we didn't get one out last week. Um, some things just came up. It, it was pretty hectic. Um, and then it was just a matter of trying to sit down and get another one recorded. But we are back on track. Shouldn't have a problem uh, churning some out next week as well um with a few more games in hand it looks like we have a game on saturday and tuesday um but that is it for episode 11 and as always you can follow me at lanky lape on twitter and you can follow us at canes country and you can follow me at k underscore morton nine that's m-o-r-t-o-n and you can follow me on Twitter at Brett Finger. Um, definitely go and check out all of the great content on canescountry.com. And uh, if you haven't already, uh, 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Um, and yeah, we again, we apologize about last week's absence. Uh, some unexpected things came up, and it was an interesting week. But uh, like Justin said, we'll be very good going forward. As always, thank you for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe again. And have a good week. Bye. Bye.